Vegas, baby, Vegas! At the end of the game, you count up your money. That's how you find out who's best. If all my bets were safe, there just wouldn't be any juice. 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 The point spreads, the prop bets, the teasers, the parlays. From Vegas to you. This is Behind the Bets. Welcome into another Behind the Bets podcast. I am Doug Kazarian. We are taping this on Thursday, April 15th. We It's not technically tax day because that got delayed, but tons going on right now in the sports world. First, I want to thank everyone who tuned in to our special edition of Daily Wager. Uh, really fun to do that live betting sort of alternative viewing opportunity slash experience for for all sports fans. And we got a ton of feedback that was all positive uh, out there in the Twitter world and everything else. So really it was a great team behind us and a great experience. And hopefully we'll do a lot more of that, but we did it in the NFL for the playoff game. Did it last night in the NBA. It was a great game too, because the uh, nets came all the way back. So it was a fun live betting game, but just really wanted to thank everyone for tuning in and supporting the cause that we are all part of. As for this podcast, uh, Tim Bontemps, NBA reporter and insider, is going to join me. We're going to talk about the MVP. He has an article out today, a piece on the NBA.com uh, section about the MVP race, where Jokic is now, the, the word that was used in the headline, a runaway. And we only have a few weeks left. The odds market is not suggesting as much. So there is opportunity for sure. Tim did a straw poll of 100 media members. And Jokic overwhelmingly the first place votes. And sometimes by default in a lot of ways because of all the injuries. So Tim's going to break that down. And I walked away from that interview basically saying I have to bet more on Jokic. I already did this week because I felt that that's where things were headed. But at minus $2, 250 it sure seems like great value. And then I also asked Tim about all the other awards, whether it be Defensive Player of the Year, Six Man, Rookie of the Year, still undecided. We like an underdog in that race. And then Coach of the Year as well. So... Uh, for those who want to play those uh, those futures, it's certainly certainly interesting. And uh, Tim has a wealth of knowledge that we'll get to right now. Sounds to me like you guys a couple of bookies. Time now to welcome in a man you've seen and heard on all ESPN platforms, but a first-timer here on the Behind the Bets podcast. NBA reporter, insider, extraordinaire, Tim Bontemps. Tim, how are you, my man? Doing well, Doug. Doing great. You, it's good to be have you on. I appreciate you taking the time. I know there's a lot going on with the NBA right now with so much going on. Um, and particularly you wrote this piece for Eastman.com. I thought that'd be a great topic this week, just given that the MVP race has been so captivating, not just for fans, but also for betters. And we've seen since basically in 2021, we've seen different favorites because of the injuries. And you have a piece out now where you took a straw poll of media members. And I believe runaway was the, the word used for Nick Nikola Jokic. And that's fascinating to me. I guess before we get into the exact findings, let's just remind our listeners what exactly the voting process is, who makes up of it, makes it all up, how many, how many people are there, all that fun stuff. Sure. So the, the way that voting works in the NBA, it's gone through a few different phases, but the, the current iteration of voting for the NBA is they have 101 voters for um, – each of their major awards at the end of the season, MVP, rookie of the year, coach of the year, um, defense player of the year, rookie, et cetera. And um, that that's a hundred media members who vote on all the awards, a uh, combination of local writers from all the 28 markets where teams are across the country uh, and in, in Toronto, um, as well as national and international media. Um, so, and then there's also one fan vote. So that that's how, 
the voting is broken down. And for this straw poll, which I do at least a couple times every season, two or three times, um, I try to mimic that as closely as possible. This isn't exactly the hundred people that vote for these awards, but it's a combination of actual overseas media, national media, and then at least two people from all 28 markets um, across the country. So I try to encapsulate, you know, as close as we can without having the actual voting list, what the vote will look like in a few weeks when the regular season is over. And to your point, Doug, Nikola Jokic had 90 of the 101 first place votes in the poll and was a runaway winner because, you know, after doing this in February, when essentially, you know, LeBron James had a lead, but he, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic were for all intents and purposes in a three-way race to win. And since then, LeBron's had the high ankle sprain and Joel had the bone bruise in his knee and Jokic has played every game. And more than anything else, I think that's the biggest reason why he has taken a commanding lead. And I think it's going to be extremely difficult for anybody to pass him over these final few weeks. Wow. So a lot to digest there. Real quickly, of the 100 media members, is it the same 100 that vote for Rookie of the Year, wrote the Sixth Man of the Year, or they chop it up so it's, you know, one guy may vote for MVP and Coach of the Year, another person votes Sixth Man Defense. Is it chopped up like that? Like, I think baseball does that. It used to be like that, Doug. They used to kind of mix it around. Now it's just 100 voters for every award. And they just, they have a panel and they go through and they do it that way. And they're all public also. Um, at the end of the season. Okay, so let's go through this. So it is fascinating because since Embiid has returned, the odds came down a little bit for him. He's still the second favorite, but it's come down just because he's been so dominant whenever he does Mm -hmm. play. However, he has already missed 18 games and it's a condensed season. So that's already at least a quarter of the season. It is a unique year for sure with the COVID and the quick turnaround condensed schedule. Yep. But we haven't seen an MVP play that few of games since Bill Walton late in the 70s. But this year has had so many injuries with the guys at the top. But to your point, Jokic, the best, the best ability is availability, and he's played every single game. So I guess my question for you, because 90 of 101 is pretty distinct. What would it take for Jokic not to win MVP the next you know, 15 or so games? I think it would take a lot. Doug. And I mean, it would probably be some combination of, um, I mean, obviously this poll was conducted, like I finished getting the votes about an hour before Jamal Murray's injury. So I guess there's some people who could dock him if the Nuggets backslide a little bit in the Western conference playoffs, but the Western conference standings, but I don't really see that happening. I don't think people are going to penalize him for Jamal's injury. Um, I also am not sure they're going to backslide that far. I mean, they're in fourth. Now the Lakers guys still aren't healthy. The Blazers haven't been good for a while. The Mavericks are kind of in a funk. I mean, I know they stuck out the game last night with Jokic or with uh, Luka Doncic hitting that crazy buzzer beater, but they, they've been kind of up and down lately. So I, the Denver might still end up fourth. Um, so I, I think it would be, you would either, to be, either need to be some combination of the Nuggets really collapsing without Murray, which I don't think will happen, or Jokic getting hurt, which never really happens. Frankly, he's been one of the most durable players in the league for years. Or I guess if Embiid plays every game the rest of the season and is dominant every game the rest of the season and the, the Philly goes 16 and two and, you know, closes strong to get the one seed, like maybe things could shift in that direction, but he wasn't even necessarily the consensus second choice. He was slightly ahead of Giannis Tedekupo and far behind Jokic to the point that it would require such a massive swing in his direction that I just think it's going to take some pretty 
extensive shifts for this to happen. Like if, like he had, I think, 26 second place votes in this poll, Embiid. If, if he had 70 second place votes and he was the clear second place guy and they had that finish and Jokic fell off, like, yeah, maybe I could construct an argument where you could see some people slide it in his direction. But I, I just think it's, you're asking a lot in a very condensed period of time when we're only really talking about three or four weeks of the season for things to shift that much. And, and look, the Sixers have three or four back-to-backs left here. I, I feel pretty confident Joel's not going to play every game. Uh, I just, I, I think it's going to be very difficult um, for him to make up what is just a, a really massive gap between the two guys in the voting. So it is such an interesting process because we have to handicap the voters as much as you handicap the players. And that's right. NBA MVP voting has been a interesting, I don't know if it's a Venn diagram or just it's the right combination of team success. So it's always like one of the, the top seeds. Yep. I mean, Westbrook did win it when they were a six seed, I want to say, but he averaged a triple double was a special year, but every year is different. Some people might say, well, Steph's stats are the same as when he won the two other MVPs, but the MVP years are in relation to the other candidates that particular year. Yep. So if injuries occur like this year when you have like Giannis has missed six straight, by the way. So yep. he's missing games. He's racking that up. And I, I just think, you know, there's voter fatigue and he has no chance to win. So you have that. And then Damian Lillard has been MVP ish, but there's been a guy who's more of an MVP, but let's say Jokic didn't exist. Then people would be making a case for maybe Lillard and what he did yep. with Nurk and McCollum. So as much as you want to compare stats over the years, it's really just case by case within the same year. Steph's hurt obviously because they're the nine seed right now, but what yep. he does and what his impact of the point spread is really second to none. So in, in the valuable sense, he's right there, but Embiid, there is a reward. And I think there's a, the best player conversation. I think that's what people were dragging their feet a little bit with Jokic. No one's really perceived him as like necessarily the best player, even the best player this year per se, but injuries. And so it's that weird combination. I say Venn diagram, but it's just that, that happy medium of all these kind of major forces and, and each voter has to kind of figure out what they, what they value the most. But Jokic right now, just to kind of convert things for you, Tim is, you know, he's as low as minus 175. I've seen some $3 as well, but let's just call it 200, right? So minus 200, that's 67%. Sounds like you think there's like a 90, 90, 95% chance that he wins. Oh yeah. I think, I, I think from a betting standpoint, Jokic is really undervalued right now. Um, I, I know you'd have to park your money for a while. Um, Cause obviously this, this is going to take a few weeks to play out, but I mean, look, like I said, he got 90 of these 101 votes and <laughs> you have to construct, a, you have to really stretch yourself to come up with the series of events that are going to cause that to flip around um, in, in Embiid's favor or in somebody else's favor. Um, and, and like I said, I, I would feel more, I would feel like there's more of a chance for him to lose if, um, if there was a clear consensus second choice and it was like, all right, you know, Jokic slips a little bit, somebody comes up and plays well at the end, they can maybe slip by him at the end. But, um, but yeah, that, that, the, that second consensus candidate just isn't there uh, because of these injuries. Like you go back again to the last drop hole I did, Kevin Durant was fourth. He got no votes. LeBron was first. This injury has completely knocked him out. He finished sixth. Um, Embiid has gotten hurt again. So his, his vote total dropped. Um, you know, there, the, Embiid got the second most votes, total votes, 
across all the ballots and he was only on 82 of the 101 ballots. So there, there was such a muddled picture after that first spot that um, I, I just think it's going to be difficult for anybody to coalesce to really challenge Jokic. And also, you know, part of the reason Jokic is undervalued is the same reason his candidacy has sort of flown under the radar a bit in that he's not a, you know, big time media darling, right. In terms of like personalities, not on social media. He's not like this young flashy guy, like Luka Doncic. He's kind of, you know, he's a, you know, he looks like he plays in a beer league sometimes. Right. So I, I think that factors in and he also is playing in Denver. He's not in a big media market. He's not in, you know, he's not on national TV all the time. Um, so I think you factor that stuff in too. And I, I think that sort of um, has kind of weighed down those odds a bit. Cause like you said, if, you know, if Joel Embiid had 90 of 101, let's say this was flipped around and Joel Embiid had 90 of 101 first place votes, what would those odds be? Minus 500, right? Yeah, Minus 600. The one seed and right. know, there's, well, there's just the other factors. It's, and well, and he's, and he's Joel Embiid and he's in Philly and he's a huge personality, right? Or like, what if LeBron had 90 first place votes? Like, what would those odds be? They would be probably twice that high, right? I mean, nobody would be, if, if LeBron was in this position, nobody would be saying, Right. Oh man, like who's going to catch, you know, nobody's well, going to catch That's the, the best player component to it. Like they've already, people have already accepted it. He's the best player, if not one of the best. Right. Right. And that's, in, but that, and that's the thing, like, like you said, what, what's interesting about the MVP award every year, Doug, is that it is such a narrative driven award. And, and that, and that, and people take the narrative part of it to be a negative thing. I don't think that's necessarily true or fair, but there is, this is a big deal. Like who wins this award every year? And there's a narrative that gets built up as the year goes on that leads towards somebody generally winning it. Like you said, it, when Westbrook won in 2017, Katie had just left Westbrook stayed, he signed the extension. Um, you know, he, he powers them into the playoffs with the first triple double in a season in 50 years, right? Like that was a really strong narrative component. I didn't vote for him that year. I voted for Kawhi Leonard. I thought he was the best player. I thought he should have won. James Harden got a lot of votes. LeBron got a lot of votes, but Russ got just enough in that, that total package is playing the clutch that year, all that stuff led to him getting that MVP award. And that's, what's made this year so interesting is that Jokic is the guy who didn't really have that narrative going for him really at any point, you know, early in the year, you had you know, LeBron coming off the, you know, give me my respect line in the bubble. Like people, people were kind of like ready to give LeBron this MVP award after what happened last year that he gets hurt. Joel Embiid has been dominant this year. He's probably been on a per minute basis to your point, in my opinion, the most dominant player in the league, probably the best player in the league, but he hasn't even played half of his team's minutes this season. He's played 45% of Philly's minutes and like you said, he's on pace to play 75% of the games. He's probably going to miss more than that. The only person that's finished, that's won the MVP, that's played less than 86% of a team's games is Bill Walton. Everybody else has either missed 11 games or less in a season. Um, so Embiid's probably going to miss 20 or more. So, you know, it's going to be tough for him to win. And even guys like James Harden, who came on lately, got hurt. Giannis, like you said, the, the narrative, I think, was always going to be against him becoming the first guy since Larry Bird to win three MVPs. He was going to have to do something crazy this year. Um, and even Damian Lillard, who I thought had kind of a sneaky chance to get in the mix, you know, Portland has, has faded a bit here um, of late. They have had a really tough schedule and Dame has been a little banged up uh, with a knee injury and then they've slipped a bit. So I, I think even he's had a bit of a, a hit against him, but all these different guys 
all had the narrative push behind them. And whether it's, you know, injuries or whatever else, they've, they've kind of proceeded a bit. And, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, Jokic is, is kind of the last man standing in every respect. And I, I think that's why he's got such a commanding lead. Yeah, by default almost because of the injuries and everything yes. else you mentioned. And that's okay. Every year is different. And if he's managed to play an entire season and help Denver reach the four seed, I think that counts for something. And the 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 analytics, the wins above replacement, all that stuff, it's right at the top, if not well, the and, top. Well, so. and, well, and that's the thing I think we need to point out because we've kind of we've kind of side-eye bashed him a little bit for this, right. not intentionally, but like this guy, I know everybody is having an unbelievable year this year. And like you're right, Steph. I voted Steph, I think, third. He, he got, I think, five or six total votes in the straw poll. He's having an insane season. Like, there's all sorts of guys who are playing off the charts. And Bede has been incredible. Jokic is averaging 27, 11, and 9. He's shooting 56% from the field and 42% from three and 86% from the line as a center, right? Like, he's, he's basically playing point center for this team. Like, he's doing stuff we've never seen anybody do before. So it's not like... He's the, having a whole hum season and everybody. Yeah, it's not got 19 hurt. and eight, you know? It's yeah, like, right, right. He's it's been insane. Like he, it's just right. been dismissed too easily. That's right. It's not like he's having a whole hum season and oh, everybody got hurt. And so we're just going to kind of pick the guy that's left. Like, like I said, two months ago when I did this first straw poll, LeBron had 53 first place votes. Uh, I think uh, Embiid had 23 and Jokic had 18, and they were all within about 150 points total in the poll, which is about the gap between uh, Russ and James Harden in that, that close vote in 2017. Okay. So like that was a close, that was essentially, even though the, the, the one, the, the first place votes are a little tipped in LeBron's favor, it was basically a three horse race. So if you look at it that way, okay, there's three guys who are even, then two of them miss a bunch of time. Okay. Well that leaves the one guy left to get the votes and that that's basically what happened. But yeah, I think, you know, again, because he's not a sexy name and because he's not in a sexy market, I think there has been a little bit of like, well, you know, people kind of finding reasons to like, should we give it to Joel Embiid or should we give it to LeBron or somebody else? And I, I just think that Jokic has been absolutely incandescent this season. And, you know, it, he's going to be more than deserving of winning the award. It's just, you know, it, he would have had a harder time in a normal year because the narrative push behind it wouldn't have really been there. And because of all these injuries and everything else, it's really opened the door for him to, to walk away with it. All right. I want to touch on a few other awards, obviously not as intriguing, but there's some interesting races and it's still up at a lot of places, but for the most part, Jokic is around $2 for those listening at home and want to tie up some money for about a month or so. It's a pretty compelling case. Let's look at rookie of the year, essentially a three horse race right now. And with James Wiseman's injury and Anthony Edwards playing a little bit better of late, he's now an odds on favorite minus minus one twenty five. Lamelo Ball out for the year, but has such a strong resume at plus one fifty, and then Halliburton of the Kings is two dollars, and then everyone else is really right. just a long shot. So we've seen like Embiid actually won the Rookie of the Year award when he did not play a lot, a ton of games. I mean, even even Zion was in the discussion after barely playing any games a year ago, and then yep. shortage of the pandemic really cost him that award because who knows what could have happened if we had a full eighty-two game season last year. So I guess the question is. Who's going to win this award? <laughs> well, and, and last year, too. Like, last year's sort of the same thing as this Embiid-Jokic debate, right? Where, like, Zion had a great burst of games when he played, but John Morant had one of the great rookie seasons for a guard we've seen in recent memory. And he's, a like, going to be a probably a many-time all-star player in the league, right? So this this it's not like 
uh, if Zion had been going up against, uh, you know, Malcolm Brogdon type candidate, like, you know, who again had like a perfectly fine rookie year, but when he won, Joel Embiid was clearly a superior player that only played 700 minutes, whereas Brogdon played the whole season. I think that Zion might've won. Um, whereas gotcha. last year, Zion, Zion just got beat out in part because Ja was also awesome. Um, so I, I think that I, I just wanted to say like that, that makes that interesting. And that is kind of what makes this year's race interesting in a different way, because if it's, a, if I was picking one of those guys, I think LaMelo is going to win. Um, I'm a little surprised at those odds. I understand why, um, I understand why they are where they are because Edwards has scored a bunch of points of late, um, and has played better. And obviously LaMelo was hurt and isn't playing. Um, but given how good LaMelo was and the fact that I think he played, um, I'm going to try to look this up while I'm talking. I'm pretty sure he played in 41 games. Um, so it's not like he was only on the court for a quarter of the season. Yeah. He played 41 games. He played over half the season. He was unbelievable from a rookie standpoint in terms of impacting winning for that Charlotte team. Um, and was so much better, uh, even than Tyrese Halliburton, who I think is been pretty clearly better than Edwards this season also yeah, just doesn't I mean, I have the Halliburton's awesome he's awesome but but, but listen Edwards th- this is a this award rookie of the year is sort of like six man and that it kind of tends to go to whoever scores the most points uh ultimately um and Halliburton is more of a like fill in the gaps like really smart high IQ player that's you know I don't have his stats in front of me but he's probably averaging like 12 or 13 and you know three or four rebounds and three or four assists a game and he's like He's a really good basketball player yeah, that isn't going to necessarily pop off. Yeah. Right. But he's not going to pop off the screen like Anthony Edwards dunking on Yuta Watanabe and scoring 35 points. And like Edwards is a, a big star presence. And he's obviously, he's got these amazing quotes. Like I, I love this kid. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he had the thing with a Rod the other day, not knowing who he is. And um, you know, he's talking about, you know, hitting cleanup and playing baseball as a kid. Like he's just, he's a fun personality and he's, and he's playing better and he's scoring a lot of points. So I, I could see him getting this in the end, but I think there's at least some chance that LaMelo comes back um, at the end of the, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't, I'm not guaranteeing it, but I I think there's, there's at least some possibility. I think that he could play a couple games like towards, like, again, like maybe just be back around being in time for the playoffs. Um, I don't, I don't think he's officially been, um, ruled out for the season. I'm going to check that while I'm talking too, but um, I think, I think there's at least some chance he could play. Uh, But, um, but I do think that ultimately he is not going to quite be, uh, I don't think he's going to play many games either way. Um, But I, but I think he was so good when he was on the court and he did play enough of the season that like, if I could get him at a plus number right now, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty decent bet. Um, and I understand again, cause you do have to wait on it a while and Edwards is playing well. Um, but I, I would still have him as the favorite over Edwards personally. I, I think, I think he's going to wind up winning the award. I would too. Uh, and I've talked to other media members as well. I think LaMelo, at, I mean, you're getting, cl- there's some places that have a two to one and I would definitely bet him. I think he's going to win as well. I wouldn't be shocked to your point if Edwards won, but there I was think, another, uh, there was another poll done. I, I think the, the guy, Rick Bennell from the Charlotte observer, uh, he called me and a few other people to kind of do sort of what I did for the, the MVP poll on a much smaller scale. I think he asked 12 people and this was, I, I believe a week ago, but LaMelo still had nine of the 12 first place votes. And I, I know, again, that's a small sample and you're not, you don't know the whole voting makeup, et cetera. But I, I think that Edwards is going to have to have a pretty big close um, 
to, to steal it. So I, like you said, if I could get, if I could get LaMelo a two for one, I feel pretty good about my chances um, of making some money with that. Yeah. I mean, given what he was the starting point guard, eventually starting point guard, 16, six and six averaging for a team that was right in the middle of the playoff hunt. That's, that's and impacting winning and impacting winning games. Like he was like, you do not see rookies come in and, and impact winning like he did. Like this was a guy who was supposed to take some time, right? Like he, he kind of obviously bounced all around the world and didn't really play anywhere. And, you know, it, this was seen as like, this guy's going to need some real time to kind of get used to the NBA and the physicality of it. And like he walked in and from day one was making highlight plays and, you know, doing stuff that was helping the team win games. Like you said, Charlotte's been one of the biggest surprises in the league this season. Um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, I, I think it's going to take a lot for Edwards to win. And uh, again, if I could get him at a plus number, I'd feel pretty good about it. Let's go to six man of the year because it's essentially become a two horse race and between teammates based on the odds. And it's been crazy. The, the money line fluctuation of Jordan Clarkson. I mean, it was like right. minus 1800 recently. Now it's, I see minus 670 at, um, at DraftKings, And I see something like $11 at MGM, but Joe Ingles also, uh, right. His odds were as like 12 to one at some places or six to one right now. Yeah. I thought this was done. Like I thought it was done like a couple of weeks ago. Like Clarkson could be missed the rest of the year and still win it. Am I, am I wrong now? I have no idea what to make of this one. Honestly, I, I was looking at this for 20 minutes earlier, trying to come up <laughs> with real candidates. Cause, cause Clarkson has not been very good for six weeks, but he was so good early on. And, and the jazz jumped out to such a big lead in the standings early on in part because of him shooting 7,000%. It felt like from three. Um, that I think he's probably going to win ultimately. Um, and like, I would even say that maybe there's a chance that, uh, you know, he and Ingles kind of cannibalize each other and somebody else slips in and wins, but there's not, there's not a great candidate really, um, to kind of do that. Like, I'm not even sure, like Montrezl Harrell is probably going to get votes because he plays for the Lakers, but uh, he hasn't been that great this year. And I think sort of the bloom is off that rose after, um, the way he played in the playoffs and, you know, like guys like Thaddeus Young have been really good, but he's now starting some and their team isn't very good. And, um, you know, you kind of bounce around the league and I, I don't have a, like, yeah, this guy is definitely, um, you know, coming off the bench and playing really like Shake Milton has been good for Philly, but I, I don't think he's going to really get, um, a ton of consideration. So yeah, I, I think I would pick Clarkson, but I don't, I don't really have a good feel for this and, you know, maybe something will happen over the next month that'll shift it one way or the other, but yeah, I'm, I tend to be with you. I, I don't have a good feel for whether he or Ingles will, um, will ultimately win. Or if, like I said, if they don't cannibalize each other and somebody else can't slip in under the wire and, and steal it from them. It's fascinating. Maybe worth a small flyer, depending on the odds on Ingles there, but definitely don't look at yeah, that's on uh, Clarkson. Yeah, that's what I would say. I, it's such a muddled thing. Like Clarkson probably will win, but from the odds that I saw, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable throwing down the kind of money that you would have to put down right. to, to get anything back of value from it. Defensive player of the year. And, and I wanted to put these two awards back to back because I think a lot of times uh, voters sort of um, make up uh, in, in terms of like a makeup call. Uh, yes. Some of the votes when there's a team like the Jazz, right, have been so dominant. And they if they do get the one seed, although they may not, the Suns are right on their tails. Um, if they're not going to have the MVP, they kind of give them the other awards. Just yes. those, those are the tiebreakers. Now they'll get six man. 
So I wonder if Gobert and then next is coach of the year. So I wonder if these are all kind of connected. Um, does Gobert get deference on defensive player of the year? Because if we think it's a two-horse race with him and Ben Simmons, although Miles Turner right there in the uh, odds, at least. But Gobert's a sizable odds on favor, about minus $3 or so. But Ben Simmons has a case for sure. I would be really surprised if Rudy Gobert doesn't win. I think he's been, I think he's the best defensive player in the league. Uh, I actually think Joel Embiid might be, if, if there is somebody who's better than uh, Rudy, I think it's, it's probably actually Joel Embiid, uh, which has been funny given how hard the Sixers have pushed Ben to be defensive player of the year. And listen, Ben, Ben is an awesome defensive player. That's not a knock on him, but as you know, Doug, like in the NBA, the center is the anchor of your defense and if either in a good way or a bad way, like if you have a bad defensive center, it's about impossible to be a good defensive team. And if you have a great defensive center, it's about impossible to be a bad defensive team. And you look at everything Utah has done. It's basically built their team around Rudy Gobert's ability to protect the rim, no matter who else is out there. And they slowly, but surely over time replaced Derek Favors with Boyan Bogdanovich and Ricky Rubio with Mike Conley. And, you know, they're playing angles. They're playing all these offense first guys because they have, this seven, two monster at the rim who can now get out and get on shooter some and can, is going to contest every shot at the rim and um, is just such a hugely impactful player there. So um, I think he's going to win. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't win. Um, like you said, I, I think part of the reason I don't think Ben will win is I think some people will vote for Joel over him. I do think they will split some votes um, because they are both awesome. Um, and, and I just think ultimately, and I do think miles will get some votes too, but I think, like you said, the combination of Utah being as good as they have been, not having a clear MVP candidate, and Gobert very clearly being, um, you know, no offense to Donovan Mitchell, who's a great young player, but Rudy Gobert is the guy that drives that team. Um, I, I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't win that award, especially because we're talking about a guy who's already won it a couple of times, I think twice, if yeah, not three 18 times. 18 and 19, yep. Yeah, so it's a guy who's won the award before and people are familiar with and know is worth uh, voting for. And, and that's the kind of thing in these situations, if you look over time, if somebody either makes all NBA before or wins um, defensive player of the year before or any of these awards, six man, they tend to keep winning it once they win it once. Cause if you're, if you're kind of in a toss up and it's like, well, I can vote for this new guy or this guy who definitely has won the award and deserves it. People tend to go with the guy who's already won it before. And cause it makes them feel safe. Like they won't be yes. embarrassed. So to that's speak, right. when, when the that's votes right. are publicized, but in terms of value, and I know this, incorporates offense but Rudy Gobert does lead the NBA in plus minus um so his yep. his presence is, is certainly there now the question is we go to coach of the year because uh for a while Quinn Snyder understandably was the favorite in this now, um but there's been some buzz you. with others I was gonna say I I didn't mean to cut you off but I, I didn't get a chance to look at these odds before we started so I'm curious what are what is like the current top five in odds for coach of the year I knew you were going to ask me that, and that's the one thing that's right <laughs> now have. not on. Um, uh, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Well, there's so much movement right now with every day, right? Yes. And, like, that's the thing. So some of these websites are like not putting it up. Like DraftKings has all the odds of all the other awards I've touched on. But at la I'll go off memory because I was pretty locked in on this. Sure. So about minus 250 was what Quinn Snyder was. He was higher when they were Jazz were running away with the conference. Yes. And then many thought Tibbs would would tail off. And so, and then I think Monty Williams has come down a little. So he's like plus 150, I want to say. Yes. And then uh, you have like Tibbs is lurking around six to one. Again, I'm going off memory and I'm trying to find one of the uh, national um, 
apps, whether it be FanDuel, DraftKings, that has these odds. But DraftKings, I was just reading all the other ones, but not um, not Coach of the Year. So, which is fine. I mean, it's, you know, it's, odds makers are busy and they don't want to do it on a nightly basis. <laughs> right. And when we get down to the home stretch, like that's also going to be a huge thing is that um, some of the stuff's going to come off the board. And yes. that that's, um, but yeah, so I don't see Coach of the Year at FanDuel either, just all the other awards we discussed. But like, I think that's generally where we are. And it, well, and, and that I, it's interesting to bring up Monty Williams because I think that he's got a real shot at winning that award. Um, you know, I think Tibbs definitely has a shot too. I mean, look, and I think, I mean, like James Borrego has probably done the best job of anybody in the league this year in Charlotte. Back to that team is at 500 or anywhere close to 500. I didn't think they'd be nearly that good to start with. And now they've had all these injuries and they're still managing to win some games. So, I mean, he's done a great job, but he's in Charlotte and he's not a big name. So he, he's not going to win, but um, I, I think Tibbs has a real shot. You know, the Knicks are definitely way better than anybody expected. That's a huge market. Everybody knows who he is. Um, he's going to get some, some votes, but like you said, the Suns were a game and a half behind the jazz. Like they, they've got a real shot to win the West. And, you know, if they finish ahead of Utah, I don't think Quinn's going to win coach of the year over him. No um, especially, yeah, especially seat, he has no chance. Right. Cause like coming into the season, like this is not to diminish Utah at all. Like I, he's done an, Quinn's done an incredible job, but there were people who thought the jazz could be a top two team in the West this year uh, in the regular season. Like they, the jazz were not a team that people thought like we're going to finish seventh and now they're first. The Suns were a team that people thought would probably be a playoff team after their play in the bubble and adding Chris Paul, but people wouldn't have guessed they were going to be 39 and 15 three quarters of the way through the season um, and, and a game and a half out of having the best record in the NBA. Uh, none of that was on the radar uh, at the start of the season. So I think Monty's the pretty interesting choice. If, like you said, if he's a plus 150, that's, a, that's maybe a little lower than I would have thought. Um, I would have thought he might've been over two somewhere. Um, but if, if you could get him at a decent number, I, I think that's an interesting bet. And the other guy, the other two guys, I think who might get some consideration are Steve Nash and Doc Rivers. I don't think Steve Nash will win because people are just kind of down on the nets in general, even though I think Nash has done a really good job given the, the amount of, you know, lineup shuffling and juggling they've had to do. And obviously I think Doc has done a great job in Philly and they're, they got a good chance to win the East and he'll probably get some support too. But I think this might just come down to, to who wins the West. And if you, if you're a voter and you are, you're a, you're a better, I should say, and you think that the Suns are going to catch and pass Utah, which they probably won't because the Jazz have a really easy schedule. But still, if you think that's possible, that's probably the, the sneaky value here is to, is to put some money on Monty because, again, I think if they get ahead of Utah, I think he's going to win the award. So I did find a side with some odds elsewhere. So, like, to your point, Nash and Doc, I forgot about Doc, to be honest. Uh, we're right in that 13-to-1 mix. And actually, Tibbs is just sky – I mean, there's like 60-to-1 apparently on some articles I've been reading – I don't think he's going to win. I think he's going to get consideration and respect, but I don't think ultimately people are going to vote for him. Probably because, not. I mean, between four and like the nine seed, it's three and a half games. So who if knows? The, the if the Knicks, off. if the Knicks stay, if the Knicks stay out of the play-in game though and make the playoffs, like he he could get some support down. He should. It, it could. Like I, I, if if it's actually like sixty to one, it's probably worth a flyer. Um, and I actually think that the doc odds are interesting. I don't think he'll win, but again, if they have a strong finish and they, you know, they win the East, I think he'll have at least a chance. But yeah, like I said, I, I think this comes down to 
Monty and Quinn. And I think whoever wins the West will probably win the award. Well, and that's what I was asking you when I wanted to connect all the odds together is because if, if Utah doesn't get the MVP and they get the one seed, then you kind of give them the other awards like coach of the year, defensive player of the year and uh, most in, or six, yeah. six man of the year. So that's why I wanted to connect them because I feel like the voters do behave that way. Yeah, I think, I think that's partially true. Um, I, th- I definitely think that's partially true. And it's also like, look, like we said, Rudy has won the defensive player of the year award before. He probably is the best defensive player in the league. So like you could kind of go into every season thinking he has a decent chance of winning. And, and yeah, look, the jazz got off to that hot start. And often if we see a team jump up like that, that coach tends to win coach of the year, whether they have the MVP or not. You know, I think Steve Kerr, uh, I'm pretty sure Steve Kerr won coach of the year both years when Steph won MVP. Right. Um, I know the second year, I guess it was him and Luke or whatever, but um, I, I think I he don't won to this years. day. I don't know how he won coach of the year that year, but he, that, you know, <laughs> he missed 41 games. I, I really don't like, I could understand second. I, to me, I respect all the, I mean, I have like high respect for the people that voted for him. I really disagree. Like, I don't understand how you vote him coach of the year. And when you miss 41 games, like, I just, yeah, that I, I think it sort of, it sort of became, if I remember right, it sort of went to both of them became like an organizational award. And, and fine. like that year, okay. they just, they just gave everybody everything to them, which whatever it, I, I'm with you. I thought it was kind of strange at the time, but, um, <laughs> but it, it is, it is what it is, but, um, but yeah, so, I think when you, like you said, I think that's a very good way to look at it. If you're, if they are the best, if they have the best record in the NBA and they don't have the MVP, well, they're probably going to have a bunch of the other stuff. Um, the the six minute race is interesting. Cause like we said, it's usually there's two or three pretty clear candidates for that. And there just really aren't this year outside of Clarkson um, who have gotten like real attention for it. Um, and yeah, I think like, I, you know, I, it's kind of amazing that the jazz are only a game and a half up as well as they played, but, um, I think, you know, it really could just come, I think it probably will really just come down to whether, uh, he, or, you know, the Suns or jazz win the West. And I, I think that's probably your coach of the year in the end. Yeah. And, and I, I have a Suns future ticket, like eight to one, five to one to win the Pacific. And so I'm stressing. So I, I know their schedule basically front and back. It's a really brutal stretch. So I'd be surprised that they caught Utah. I'm just worried about holding off the Clippers. And I'm oh, still... the Clippers! I was thinking you were in good shape because yeah. the Lakers. But well, I especially last night's comeback with without PG and without Kawhi, they were freaking down nine with two minutes to go, and they somehow won the game. Because I, I, I think you're going to be <laughs> well. They're the Pistons. <laughs> I think you're going to be okay with that though, because I don't think the Clippers are going to be all that interested in pushing to get second over third. Um, I, I mean, I guess they could try to get to first, but I, I don't ultimately, I don't think they're going to be like really right. Uh, That's what stressed I thought about that. And I, I think that Phoenix will Phoenix is a young team outside of Chris. I, they haven't been in this spot before. I think they're going to be going through the tape. Um, I, I'd be, I, I knew I do. I know they have a tough schedule, but I would be pretty surprised if, um, if they fall off that far i hope that's not the kiss of death for you but yeah i, well, I feel tell that to reggie jackson who hit the game winner <laughs> <if you figure. laughs> well tim look man this was great di- deep dive into all this i know there's tons of money making opportunities i know our listeners really appreciated your insight because you are part of the brethren that is the media and you talk to these guys at lunch <laughs> not as much because we're not traveling as much but hopefully we'll get through the pandemic and be back to our normal ways but really appreciate your taking the time and and, and sharing all your uh, insight Anytime, dog. Great to catch up with you, man. Hope to see you soon. That's some sweet action.
I don't want any sweet action. I got a gambling problem. All right, special thanks again to Tim Bontemps. Wonderful job with his piece for ESPN.com. You can go check it out. It's in the NBA section. And then also joining us here on the podcast. I also want to remind everyone we have a daily weekday, uh, daily wager podcast, uh, Monday through Friday, posts around noon Eastern. Uh, the usual guys are on it. Me, Tyler, and Joe, we kind of rotate shifts and give you in and out in 10 minutes, give you our top plays. So go check that out. You can, there's a separate feed for that. So subscribe to that, download all that, you know, rate and review, just like you do here on the Behind the Bets feed. And uh, obviously we're expanding. Uh, a lot of our coverage, we have the Bet Show, which is a digital show that Tyler and Joe do. And then we had the Daily Wager special last night. So a lot of fun stuff. And then ESPN.com chalk section is going to have a bunch, including NFL win totals posting on Friday. Yeah, they're already out this 17-game season. Remember, 17 games. So thanks to everyone. Thanks to Tim. And we'll see you back here next week.